Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, Deep Conversations and Tarot Medicine for Your Highest Evolution. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for being with me today. We are in Pisces season. I am feeling it. Um, I hope everyone is feeling it in a way that feels okay. I've used the word feeling 900 times and we're like 30 seconds into this. It truly is Pisces season. Um, I don't think I have anything to say at the top uh, this week. I don't think so. I don't have any new announcements. If I'm forgetting something, forgive me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I got nothing. Uh, just happy to be here and happy to introduce my guest who um, really means so much to me. So my guest on the podcast this week is an incredible um, tarot reader, which um, amazing human being, uh, Tessa Guybertson. They are an intuitive tarot reader, a city witch, and a zinester, and they are based in Ottawa, Canada. And I first became connected to Tess on, where else, Instagram, uh, where they, Tess offers the most beautiful, deep, um, thoughtful, evolved tarot medicine on their Instagram. And it uh, drew me to them immediately. And I've had the, the honor of having Tess in some of my <clears throat> tarot courses, but they really bring, they have brought their own medicine and wisdom to everything that um, they've been a part of. So in terms of working with me um, and yeah, I just adore this person and it is such a profound pleasure to get to share our conversation today. Um, Tessa is a perfect example, <clears throat> excuse me, of why no one needs certification to do this work, why nobody needs to wait until they have 10 years of experience and why it's so important to honor our own individual timing, timeline in terms of when we get our deck, in terms of when we develop and begin to share it and offer it. Um, Tess is so gifted and dropped into working with their deck like two years ago, two summers ago. So um, as they outline in this interview, it's really one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done with any guest on Tarot for the Wild Soul. Um, Tess is amazing. Um, highly recommend you book with them. Um, if you're looking for a magnificent reading and you are either a resident of Ottawa or you like Skype readings, it is perfect in all of the ways 
to sort of link up to Tess and learn more about them and get to book with them is all on the liner notes of the podcast. Um, yeah, I'm just so delighted and it's such a deep, rich conversation that again, for the 900th time, I'm so excited to share with all of you. Um, and I think that, I think that's it. And I'm going to turn you over to our combo and basically all I've got for you is enjoy, uh, the waves <laughs> because I, I'm feeling them. I mean, I got to tell you, I'm feeling these Pisces waves and it's not a bad thing. I'm feeling them. And I hope that wherever you are, if you're feeling the waves, you're either resting or you're surfing them with ease and grace or you're deep diving. And I'm sorry for my scratchy voice today. It's like, what can I say? I'm a person. And right now I have kind of a scratchy voice. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to transition into my interview with Tess, and I will talk to all of you next week. Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, deep conversations in tarot medicine for your highest evolution. Um, I have been so looking forward to having you on so looking forward to having this guest on. I have with me today the absolutely incredible Tessa Guybertson. Welcome. Oh, hi. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> that was so sweet. <laughs> I mean, it's you're the best. I'm so excited to have you. And um, yeah, I mentioned in the intro, I'm going to mention in the intro at the recording of this, that intro is not recorded, but um you are just an, an absolutely magnificently gifted, unique, talented reader and interpreter of the tarot. Yeah. And I've had the honor of getting to share space with you in some of my classes. And yeah. um, your presence it is so important. And even before you took classes with me, you were on the list of people that I really wanted to talk to on this podcast. I just feel very lucky to be chatting with you about tarot today well I'm also like really thankful that you've kind of come into the forefront in terms of tarot and that I was able to like discover you on Instagram because it's like basically it wasn't until I started listening to your podcast that I felt comfortable doing tarot readings for strangers rather than just for like my friends and it was this completely unique and fresh perspective and it was like almost felt like, um, a coming home, like in the world card where everything is the same, but also different. Um, mm -hmm. and like coming back to something that I had felt about tarot and could feel in my bones, but didn't have language to give to it. Um, yeah. And so like just listening to your podcast, like not even, um, doing the class, but listening to the podcast was like giving me language for things that I didn't know how to explain yet. I'm so that yeah. means everything. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. It's definitely going to be a really mutual admiration society situation because yeah. I'm a really big fan and that, that means so much. And, and the fact that you stepped forward with your gift, um, and just took the leap like that makes me like the happiest in the world. <laughs> so that's great. Um, I always like to start with these readings, um, I would love to hear what I kind of call 
your birth story with tarot and whatever mm-hmm. that means to you, like, um, cause birth stories are like weavings, you know, and they're nonlinear and like just when you discover tarot and since you've been working with it, all of the different ways in which you have evolved your understanding of it to really mm-hmm. suit your lens view and life perspective mm-hmm. as a human being. Okay. Yeah, I actually, I've been thinking about this question a lot because I knew it was going to come up and a lot of people have a very cool story about how they got given a deck when they were 12 and have been like practicing tarot for 20 years. And it's just always, I've been like, oh my God, I'm so insignificant. What do I have to say? Um, But, uh, and I'm glad you explained it as a weaving because my story or explanation for it is like so convoluted. Um, so I was raised brethren and then evangelical. Wow. So like, um, brethren is like similar to the vein of like Amish and Mennonite and then kind of started going to a more mm, liberal, like even, well, liberal as in compared to brethren, uh, church when I was older in, in university. Um, and so kind of around that time I went to, I went to the university of Ottawa for a joint history and political science major and was doing a course on women in medieval history. And we studied a book called um, Caliban and the Witch by Sylvia Federici. Um, and I feel like like if I was to like, recommend a book on tarot, it would be that. But mm. it doesn't even talk about tarot. It's more um, studying, or in terms of like the way I approach tarot, the best book that I could recommend is, is Caliban and the Witch because it... it um, it goes through and explains kind of the intersection of um, gender and bodily autonomy and gendered labor and kind of like studies the period of time in medieval history, Western medieval history, where um, we switched from feudalism to capitalism and how the like rise of capitalism was so and success of it was so dependent on gendered labor and not being valued and not having a wage and now becoming like, three. Um, and so, and that all kind of coinciding with the burning of witches. And so mm. that was the first time witchcraft was ever like, uh, cause like my, my fear of like witchcraft coming from like a brethren, like upbringing, um, was like ha- had an image that was super different than what I was like reading about and, and the political, um, aspects uh, of practicing witchcraft. Um, or calling yourself a witch. And so that was kind of my, like, all of a sudden this like whole world opened up to me and I was like, Oh my God, witchcraft. I'm a witch. It's me. Um, <laughs> it me. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I bought a tarot deck, not because I knew anything about tarot. Cause like I, I didn't, I knew like some people are like, Oh yeah. Like my mom's friend when I was a kid gave me a deck or had like a family friend or whatever that was interested in it. But, um, yeah, no, I had like no idea what this tarot thing was. It was just really cool. And all these people on Instagram were doing it. Mm-hmm. And on this deck, it has, um, it's called the Luminous Spirit and it has mm-hmm. a holographic back. And I literally just bought it because I thought it looked cool. And then like fell in love with it after. Perfect. Yeah. It's so good. And so how many years ago was that that you discovered that Caliban? Would have been- Oh, when I discovered Caliban would have mm-hmm. been um, probably th- 
three or four years ago. But then Amazing. in terms of buying a tarot deck, it wasn't till two summers past. See, I, this, th not that you need me to say this because you don't, no one needs to say this to you, but you sharing your story and the fact that you received and came into your deck two years ago is like literally the reason I wanted to make this podcast <laughs> because I am a part of like I whatever like I I I was one of those people who got a deck when I was like whatever 12 but that's not most people I don't think actually and I think mm -hmm. that there's been this weird um folklore that's begun to be associated with tarot that I actually think is a weird kind of there's some weird overtones to it and I don't like it and mm. I know that so many people listening to this you've just given them full fucking permission yeah. to do their thing even though they got a tarot deck like you know maybe a year ago maybe six months ago like there is no certification. There is no, like, it. Yeah. it is, it's a tool that belongs to everyone on their own timeline. And I love you for honoring that. And I love you for bringing your story forward. It's so important. Mm -hmm. And kind of like, I guess, circling back to this concept of like weaving, weaving a story and, and it being a nonlinear process, like, so much of tarot for me has felt like a coming back to something mm. and kind of like how I was talking about earlier like I feel like I was just given um you know like studying with tarot with someone or with another tarot reader was just giving me language for concepts that I already knew and I know sometimes we talk about when people talk about like intuitive tarot they're like yeah like it's things we already intuitively know in our body mm -hmm. but then use that to like segue into theory and not that theory is is wrong but um that, you know, it's, it's something that we develop. Like I'm not, it's not like I do like a tarot course and all of a sudden I'm like a certified master of tarot and, mm -hmm. um, know absolutely everything. Um, and so like a lot of me developing theory and, and studying tarot has been both like studying with someone and also studying like with myself. Um, and like, I know like a lot of people be like, oh yeah, pull a tarot card every day. But like very seriously, that's just, that's how I learned tarot was pulling mm -hmm. a tarot card at the beginning of the day, putting it in my bag and like carrying it with me. Um, mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day being like, okay, what happened when I pulled this card? And then looking at those trends like over, you know, like a long period of time and like evaluating it and, and coming up with like anecdotal evidence because what's the point of me reading tarot for someone else, if, if I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, this is what a book says a card means. And mm -hmm. I, I don't have any experience. And, like, I've never experienced a card. Like, that, it's not, I don't know, the way I approach tarot is it's not so much about, like, memorizing the definitions and, and being, you know, me telling someone, like, oh, yeah, this is the definition. But, like, what does it mean? Mm. You know? Yes. Oh. Amazing. And, like, I deeply resonate with that. And, you know, we, we... Um, which I hope you don't mind me sharing. You've shared yeah. it on your Instagram, but we yeah. really share something. Um, I think really, I don't think it's that unique actually, but mm -hmm. I just don't think it's something that you realize you share with someone until 
you're like, oh my God, me too. Like, yeah. the only way that I've been able to come to any kind of understanding of tarot that I feel is my own that really resonates with me is because mm -hmm. in the midst of like massive mental health crises and mm -hmm. or crises and PTSD flare ups, mm -hmm. my, my deck was the most, like I didn't have any money when I was going through the worst part of that. My deck was the tool that in the worst of it, I went to, to pull mm -hmm. wherever I was like, and I know you have shared that totally like on your own, like organically tarot has been an amazing tool for you in moments when, um, with anything regarding your mental well-being, you've just mm -hmm. used it in real time as a tool. And as someone who shares that and really like highly recommend, I think tarot when you're with the right deck is the best tool. One of the mm -hmm. best tools that we can use in that situation because healthcare, unfortunately for mental wellness is a privilege in many ways because not everybody has access to it or is able to have access to it. And, um, when did you kind of start discovering that it could be of service to you in that way? Um, at the moment you started talking about tarot and mental health and you always like, Oh, I know exactly what I need to talk about right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a, one of my big triggers, which is like a weird trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, most triggers aren't like generic they're very they unique. are they're very yeah. unique yeah yeah um is writing and specifically journaling so mm. um because when I you know like I've had therapists since I was like 10 or 12 and so my therapist would always tell me to like write in a journal and journal about it but I also had no privacy so they were like, oh, like do like a word document and put a password on it. And I was like, yeah, but then what happens when my parents ask me like what the password is and like make me sit there and like go through it or like, you know, they're like, get like a notebook with a lock on it. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm like 12 and have no money. Um, this is a terrible <laughs> idea. Like, how are you qualified to like no brainer? Um, this is yeah, a given. So, yeah. So, yeah. um, I like now that I, I'm older and like have my own apartment and, and no one's snooping through my things, um, really felt like, okay, I do need to start journaling again. And, um, yeah, like using tarot as like a journaling technique as just like something that wasn't like, I'm not like sitting down to be like, dear diary, blah, 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 blah. Because I wasn't there <laughs> yet. Like that's even talking about it now. I'm like, my heart is pounding and I'm like, oh my God, like someone's going to read my journal. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. Um, yeah Oof. but um yeah so like having a being like well this is me learning about tarot I'm not like talking about my feelings quite yet mm. and even um I had to do a lot of different um trying out different ways that felt more comfortable because putting pen on paper or um typing on the computer was like immediately triggering mm. so a friend of mine was really sweet and um we had there's this kind of like trading group in my town on Facebook. Um, and so a friend of mine traded someone for a typewriter. Um, oh. so I, because I had never journaled on a typewriter before and it wasn't a trigger. So now I can actually like write. And so I've started like writing zines and stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my, um, in terms of like mental health, kind of like one of the really big things for me was, was journaling and, um, using tarot as a tool to trick my brain into feeling like I wasn't doing something triggering or scary 
And um, I mean, also, I really loved you've mentioned before kind of like um, carrying cards with you or like carrying mm-hmm. your deck with you and pulling cards. So, like I use the slow hauler as my like main deck. Um, the best. Yeah, but I also keep a Centennial Rider weight in my bag because it's a little bit smaller. Um, yeah, and I just love the the and I guess that kind of links in with um how I like to really practice like I call it like city witchcraft or like city magic mm. um, and kind of this concept of magic or tarot not being something that's inaccessible or that you can only access if you, you know, go on this like really fancy retreat and, and have to like pay a lot of money to access, but more of like, how, how do we find magic in the city? And so, you know, like pulling tarot cards, literally as I'm going about my day, like, um, one of my other, like a panic attack triggers is grocery shopping. Um, Mm. because after like basically living off of the food bank for the past couple of years, it's been like, Oh, well, okay. I have money to buy groceries, but, um, that means the money's not in my bank account anymore. And that's like absolutely terrifying. Totally. So, um, just like walking through the grocery store, it takes me like a whole day to get my groceries. Um, and so being able to like have my tarot cards in my bag and pull a tarot card whenever I'm like having a panic attack at the grocery store mm. or like crying in the bathroom because, um, that's, I don't know, one of my, not like one of my favorite things to do, but like I do have a list of like top 10 bathrooms <laughs> to like cry in. Um, it's amazing. Yes. Cards as I'm crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So incredible. I mean, it's just, it's the best. And I mean, not to be too dark about it, but it's definitely a way to learn because you will in those moments go, whoa, okay. <laughs> like, there's this card here. How interesting. All right. I'm going to think about it. And there's something about putting it into perspective through the lens of extreme self care and Mm -hmm. sovereignty that once you're kind of through the fire, it just means something to you that Mm -hmm. it's, I don't know. It means something to us in those after that, that is really hard to replace with book learning, however, I want to just asterisk that for anyone listening, like obviously to have a beautiful, beloved tarot practice, you do not need to be in any kind of pain to receive that. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, any kind of experience that we bring the tarot directly to, like, you know, you and I, I think Tess both also share, like, we're both all about, we, I think, feel like we both said this completely separately, like show up to your deck with like dirty hands, like yeah. show up, show up to your deck when you're upset, not after you're like all smoothed out, <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. you will learn, you'll learn, you know? Yeah. Especially I really relate to that in the sense of like, I feel like um, this pressure right now, well, not specifically right now in this moment, but um, in the past couple months, um, now that people, you know, it's like, you know, my Instagram followers growing and, and people are like watching what I say and paying attention. And I'm starting to feel this pressure of like, well, now I need to be um, like a recovered survivor mm. or, or like um, this, like the after picture, you know, if it's a weight loss ad, I need to be the after picture and not, um, the person in progress, like what's the, 
what's the picture if we have before and after, like what happens in between those things. Um, and something that I've been really working through is, is showing up a little messy. And, and I don't mean like showing up like with messy hair to tarot readings or something, but like showing up in process and using that as a way for other people to have permission to also show up and process. Because the moment I started doing that, um, whether it was showing up between me and my deck or showing up with me and other people for the readings, it instantly gave them permission to also be in process mm. and like not be afraid. Like they were instantly like, oh, okay, I don't need to be afraid of these cards anymore. Right. Mm. Yes. Hell so, yes. Yeah. Um, and also one other thing that I was just thinking of was, um, how we like just going back to talking about like the cards, um, and pulling them and, and it, uh, allowing us to connect to certain feelings or certain emotions, especially with like trauma, um, like a lot of, um, big feels that we don't always get to talk about or share, um, I found it really helpful and not just for the big scary feelings, but just in feeling in general and because of with, um, you know, childhood trauma, um, or like long-term abuse, uh, I wasn't allowed to have my own feelings in a sense. Mm. So pulling the cards and being able to connect to them and being like, Oh yeah, this is, this relates to, you know, this card shows up when X happens or when I'm feeling a certain way and relates to this certain emotion gave me agency over, over me deciding I get to feel this, um, especially with, you know, being younger and, and showing emotion or like showing symptoms of like certain mental illnesses and feeling like I had to hide it. So I didn't get in trouble, mm. um, or like didn't receive like corporal punishment. Like I can't show X, Y, Z emotion, um, mm -hmm. not necessarily like sad emotions or big and scary emotions, but just emotion in general. Um, so being able to like pull cards and, and use them as a way to declare like, yes, like I'm feeling this way and this resonates with me, um, has had a lot of like potency in terms of me kind of, yeah, reclaiming agency and, and power. Mm. So, yeah. so incredibly wise and beautiful, just really beautiful. And yeah, I've, I love and bow to everything you share, um, I think what you shared in terms of kind of reclamation and like reclamation of sovereignty through mm -hmm. tarot as an abuse survivor is like pretty much just about the most like lit, lit me up to hear you talk, mm -hmm. say that because it's yeah. so true. And I think it's something that you know, how can you, it's like not been written about as far as I know, it, unfortunately, like in wider channels, I'm positive that so many people have written about that, but, um, mm. it's just so beautiful to hear again, living proof and that we are continuing to normalize the okayness of mental and emotional continual healing mm -hmm. while we show up for other people, which is, it's crucial. You know, it's crucial. Yeah, it's it's just kind of this, um, I guess a lot of it I've been like, I am approaching this as someone who's like anti-capitalist and an anarchist. So I guess I'll preface it with that. But a lot of my kind of feelings on on whether or not I have to be, you know, recovered or like 
do certain things xyz or these linear steps in order to consider myself like in recovery or even if I want like do I even want to consider myself in recovery because on one hand it's like well I do want to heal and I want to feel better and that's ultimately my goal but I don't know if I necessarily want to fit in to this like um list of characteristics and check marks or diagnostics to to be like useful for capitalism or to be like considered productive enough for for capitalism or or well enough to like be even hireable because mm. um, unfortunately like you know with um trauma and with like borderline and bipolar um mm-hmm. those being all thick labels that i've been given it's like not necessarily the easiest um, kind of uh, brain to work with if you want to be able to get like any sort of job that's accessible right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, and that's kind of why Tara, I was instantly like, well, I have to share this with other people mm-hmm. because it's, it's really, it's empowering in that sense of like, I, it's actually a job that I can do and not yeah. feel like shamed for, for just like how my brain is wired. Mm-hmm. And, and almost like in the opposite of being able to like, well, this is something really beautiful I can actually share with people who might feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And it might be even more useful for my brain to just be wired this way rather than something I need to like fix or hide or like not try and like not show or not get caught. Um, Fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yes. And, you know, the 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 strange truth of reclaiming I know I'm using that word again but like Mm -hmm. reclaiming and remembering Mm -hmm. like oh I am a witch like this is Mm -hmm. part of my my birthright this is what I've always been and how I've always been somehow the remember like I'll speak for myself actually I won't but it's Mm -hmm. making me think this like I remember because I've been given every diagnosis under the sun myself it happens when you're highly sensitive highly intuitive you have an incredibly unique brain typically and when there's abuse there are things that bounce all around the chemical nervous system that come and go as time progresses and as we heal and I remember even like a couple of years ago, like kind of coming back to this knowing of something, this remembering that you mm-hmm. described. And it changed my perspective completely to the point where I didn't feel sick anymore. It was like, mm-hmm. I recognize that there are things about me that don't necessarily fit the regular mold of someone who's able to hold down like a nine to five with Benny's, but cause mm-hmm. I was never able to do that. But, um, like I'm I want to like sing to the mountaintops like yes like part of this there is something in the doing of this work that is both a healing for us and a healing for whomever we're offering it to and even Mm -hmm. just in the sharing of it there's something about the mutual recognition and the bowing to and the honoring of the humanness of the person providing it that I think Mm -hmm. is strangely getting lost in some arenas with tarot and with healing work, but, uh, like in terms of the media, there's like almost no coverage on things like that, but Mm -hmm. it is, 
what you're speaking to, you're speaking major truth to power right now. It's very powerful. Yeah, I have so many mixed feelings about it because on one hand, you know, we talk about self-care and something like that I've also been seeing is starting to get some like media attention is like, oh, wait, but like an analysis on the like commodification of self-care. Mm -hmm. And so and I know this is like such a huge debate um, within like healing circles or spiritual circles or wellness circles of like money when it comes to like and like um you know okay at what point is this commodification but also like at what point is um emotional labor being undervalued Mm -hmm. and I definitely it's tricky because I'm I'm like I'm so strongly like um emotional labor is undervalued and going unwaged and and that's like literally the the beginning or the genesis of um my my tarot practice was through Caliban and the witch which is all on gendered labor and the mm-hmm. undervaluing of that. But also, um, at what point do we start freaking out and being like, oh shit, this has been like commodified. And now people think that they can just like buy their way through healing, mm-hmm. um, and, and not have to put in any work themselves. Um, which is why I really, really love, um, I'm not sure if you've shared this on the podcast or not, mm. But the way that you talk about um, tarot being something that in a tarot, like in a reading, it only goes as far as both the reader and the client are are willing to go mm-hmm. um, because it creates a really nice space for, well, one highlights the kind of like importance of putting in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I have to put the work in and, and actually practice the cards and do the cards and work with them and not necessarily do the work as in read the books, but like do the work and get my hands dirty. Uh, and the person receiving the reading also kind of has the, um, not that they have to do the work as in like, they're not doing enough, but they have the option of that. Mm-hmm. It's like um, something that's been really important just in the past kind of six months. Like the moment I started doing readings for other people super regularly last summer, uh, it became very quickly important to me, um, consent and boundaries within tarot. Um, Because I went from, um, you know, reading for friends and making my roommates let me do readings for them all the time so I could practice um, where I know everything about them. And so, like, even my partner won't let me do tarot readings for him because he's like, you know everything about me and I am being called out right now. And, like, this is super uncomfortable. And we just, like, tried it once a couple years ago and, and like, we, we don't do it just because mm-hmm. I know about him and there's no – he can't set boundaries. Yeah. And so the really beautiful thing about um, – and that I've learned to add to my practice, whether I'm reading for someone I know really well or someone I don't know really well, is giving them the space to set the boundaries. I'm mean, like, I don't want to talk about this right now, or you know, I really mm-hmm. don't sense to this um, kind of, and that's okay. Like I've become really okay with not knowing and not needing the validation of someone to be like, oh yeah, this totally resonates with me, and it like applies to X Y Z. Like I've. Mm-hmm. Finally, um, even just like in the past couple of weeks, become very okay with like, I, I actually don't need to know it. And if you want to share it, that's beautiful. And you totally can. But um, I, I, we can have that boundary. Um, mm-hmm. And like, you know, putting the work in of 
whatever you want to take away from the tarot reading as the receiver of it, um, whatever putting the work in looks like for you doesn't have to mean sharing, sharing with me like, oh, yeah, it relates to this. You know, you can do it's a gift that I'm giving you. You can do whatever you want with it. I'm not telling you like, well, you have to, you know, go home and journal and mm-hmm. write about these things. That's just the way, you know, I find it helpful and the way I put the work in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my God. So good. Like so important bringing up, um, well, first of all, circling back to that, just bringing up the thing about like everything, just the thing, you know, the thing about like labor and charging and all that, just random, but, um, like bringing up, you know, that extremely important issue of self-care and where is the boundary? Where is that fine line between someone buying, believing that they're able to buy self-care, whether consciously or unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And as, helping professionals like where we I I feel like I I dance with that line like literally every day so it's Mm -hmm. one of those things I think that's so important to bring up and also love you just called something out that is so powerful and I (laughs) I feel like so advanced like you're not available to take on what other people think of your reading which is huge yeah. because it truly is none of our business nope. it's none of our unless somebody has a legitimate piece of feedback on like I didn't feel safe or please know this for next time or what you know mm-hmm. whatever but in terms of the quality of the reading like that's something that you know a lot of people many years in still don't know or are struggling with and it's so crucial I don't even do feedback forms because of it I'm like mm-hmm. I'm not here to post about your experience on my website mm-hmm. if you have something to offer that's fine but totally it is part I've never heard anyone described as being part of the sacred boundary of it mm-hmm. so amazing and I'm sure is empowering so many people like anyone listening to this you don't actually have to care if anyone like you're reading Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even f- for you, you know? Yeah, it just, and it really fits in with the whole concept of like, this reading is not actually coming from me, which mm-hmm. I understand. I mean, some people practice tarot this way and some people don't, but I'm coming from it from the perspective of this is how I practice tarot of, you know, being like a vessel and and um, talking to my ancestors and, and being, receiving guidance and letting it go through especially with, you know, doing, um, I've been doing a lot of events just in the, well, basically since like 2018, a lot more like events and back-to-back tarot readings. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's like, I actually can't, can't even hold on to these if I wanted to, um, because it's say like, I'm doing like eight or 12 readings back-to-back on a weekend. Um, and if I was to like, remember your tarot reading or remember the feedback that, was given beyond like, thank you, or I appreciate this. Remember all the details and hold on to it. Like, that's a lot. Yes. (laughs) Um, that's a lot to really take on. So yeah. Sorry. I'm feeling a little scatterbrained. I just like trailed off there. No, uh, you, you really (laughs) did. You didn't because you're right on it because it opens it up to other things that are exactly as you described. It's like, okay, so if we're attached to whether they like it or not, then we're holding on to their 
experience Mm -hmm. and the information related, which has nothing to do with us. And Mm -hmm. if we're attaching to whether they liked it or not, we're also robbing both them and ourselves of the ability to look more deeply Mm -hmm. just to kind of keep ourselves in our business. And, you know, like, obviously you've, you know, work with me a a bit and, you know, I've said this like before on things Mm -hmm. that you've attended or been involved with, like sometimes someone being like that was terrible and wrong Mm -hmm. is exactly what they need in order to be like, actually like, fuck this reader. (laughs) Like I know exactly, I know exactly what I need. And, I don't necessarily need to be clued in on that and and they don't need to clue me in. So it's it's so important to be really try to be essentially what you're talking about is reading in an egoless manner, which is incredibly yeah. powerful. Yeah, cuz I feel like, you know, sometimes the lesson like just echoing off of what you said, like sometimes the lesson is or what we're supposed to be taking away from the reading actually isn't anything to do with like the you cards. know what the cards are saying and yes. if you're like well this doesn't line up these cards don't line up with what's happening in my life right now then it's like well shit maybe you're not supposed to be looking to tarot for answers right now mm-hmm. like or looking to someone else to give you answers like maybe you're supposed to go be you know like searching for answers within yourself or in ways that aren't telling you what you're supposed to feel or supposed to think or supposed to do which i I feel like I try as much as possible to not do in tarot readings because um, just and and when I'm like learning the cards, one of the main reasons why I had such a hard time with theory is because I was like, well, what you're saying doesn't apply to me or doesn't apply to the way to my lifestyle or doesn't apply to just the way my brain functions. And so it was just this like big, hard, like no or like wall kind of Mm -hmm. of like no would come up and I'd be like, this, this, I'm sorry, but I, I don't consent to this interpretation of this card and I need to put a boundary up. Um, oh. so yeah, that's why I also feel like, um, you know, it really comes into play of, of what people are looking for with tarot readings. Um, and I've from the beginning been very comfortable saying no. And like, I don't think you're going to enjoy a reading with me because I practice tarot a specific way that only makes sense. It's the only way I can practice it because it's the only way that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you're probably not going to like it and have the same, like no wall come up or feel like this Mm -hmm. doesn't apply to me. Um, and it doesn't make sense. So Mm -hmm. not out of like respect, not that I feel like, you know, I'm like too good for you and I practice tarot differently. And it's more of like a, I respect the fact that this is what you're looking for. And I know that I cannot fulfill that for you. Yes. And respecting yourself by honoring, like, you know, there's, you know, and also something that you, you shared again, it's like a, a, a mic drop a moment with this conversation. You're just bringing all of the wisdom. Like in my conversation (laughs) with Melinda Lee Holm, like we talked about, like, there's no code of ethics for tarot. Mm -hmm. So, to develop your own, like basically, I, th- I think it was with her, um, maybe actually, I feel like it was with her and mystical Mandry group, but mm. I know that I've had the conversation twice, basically saying like, if you are ever in a situation where you don't consent to anything, you don't like it, you're, you can get up and go <laughs> like at any point, yeah. you know? And I love that you're bringing again, like deep truth 
truth empowerment to that. Like it's an exchange across the board at every Mm -hmm. moment, you know, Mm -hmm. um, speaking of, um, I don't know, like tarot, it's like what we're talking about, but we're, we're also (laughs) speaking of tarot. We're also talking about before the, um, uh, we were, we were talking about before we started recording um, what cards you felt really in alignment with and what cards have challenged you. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the Empress, which I feel like I'd love to talk to you about because yeah. I think that for many reasons, um, and I think the, the relationship to the, the term and the idea of divine feminine is very very sensitive for many and I think um across the board I I really love that you brought this card up because I think across the board the empress is an extremely challenging card actually that no one really seems to want to admit (laughs) it's a very challenging card like extremely challenging at least to me Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe I speak for myself I feel like people really and I respect this love the idea of her but Mm -hmm. the transit of her I find extremely uncomfortable um and I'm constantly working on developing my own because I don't identify with a lot of what is projected at me as connection with quote divine feminine um Mm -hmm. and there have been major uh, rewirings that I've had to do around like, what is, what does that even mean to me? Where is divine mother for me in my life and my body? Where's my sexuality? And, um, Mm -hmm. have you have the, those have been some of the questions you've asked yourself about that card as well. Yeah. So the Empress has been showing up for me since probably for almost the past year, since Mm -hmm. like last, last spring. Um, and like, you know, when you get like stalker cards or like, oh, cards yeah. too, and she just like, especially when you're, she would always show up when I was like in a big mood and I <laughs> did not want to see her either. And was kind of like, wow, like it's you again, amazing. <laughs> so excited. Like also, how did I not know you were going to show up? And like, eventually stopped rolling my eyes with the card every time I pulled it and was like okay this card's showing up a lot I should probably like work with it and learn something from it instead of like pulling it and putting my deck away and being like wow fuck you Mm -hmm. um but yeah so much comes up with it because it's come up whenever um I've done a lot of emotional labor that has been um undervalued and by Mm -hmm. that I mean just like doing a lot of free shit for people and being like, Hey, wait a second. I can't afford to buy food right now, but why am I doing all this free labor for someone, which is really hard to balance. I'll add like an asterisk with that. The free labor I'm talking about is from like activists, I guess, uh, circles or activist work, Mm -hmm. which is really hard because it's like something I care so passionately about, but also was kind of like at the time carrying the weight of an organization, like on my shoulders and was like 2021, and yeah, anyways, um, so it's come up with that. Um, and it also comes up a lot around, um, for me, um, I, some people have daddy issues. I have mommy issues. It comes mm. up with my mommy issues, um, which is also very strongly linked into 
my gender and gender identity and being like very uncomfortable out of a place of fear and like fearing femininity because for the longest time the like feminine figures in in my upbringing were were a source of fear mm-hmm. um and um punishment so um when people are like oh yes like the divine mother or like the like motherly archetype I'm like um that just makes me want to run in like (laughs) five billion directions like really fast Mm -hmm. um and instantly makes me just like shake so um Mm -hmm. yeah it's um I really love the uh the slow hauler calls it the kindred yeah they've renamed it as the kindred and it's like not even a person on the deck it's this like very busy um it almost looks like like there's like a stove and like a meadow or like a kind of like by a river and there's all these animals and it's like a very busy card and just like community kind of happening um Mm. or being depicted um especially in terms of like the interconnectedness of everything um because something that i've really picked up on with the empress is um and that confused me for a really long time. And then I was like, oh, wait, did I either misunderstand the wording of this? Because the word is like the same, but could mean two different things. Um, and I'm speaking really vaguely, but um, a lot of people describe the empress as sensual. And I was like, okay, so like sexy, like earth goddess, divine mother, like doesn't make sense to me. And then I started thinking about the Empress as sensual as in connecting very deeply with all, all of her senses, mm-hmm. um, like the five senses or six senses. Um, and also using that as a way we connect with community or, and by community that could mean non-human things or like things that are both material and immaterial. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're looking at magic through the lens of like energy work and, um, or like animism and yeah. So I started working with the Empress as like sensuous and, and that like deep connection and how that relates to like community and the collective. Um, and so I don't know, I found a lot of healing in the like terminology of like the kindred, um, mm-hmm. the holler uses because it's so, um, yeah, just this concept of kinfolk rather than, and like deep connection, um, rather than like sensual or sexual, um, or like receptive, not in terms of like, a. I mean, we use a lot of gendered language when we talk about receptive, like the kindred being, um, like a symbol for, or an invitation to receiving something and, and planting it in like fertile soil. And like, that's so it's hard because it's such a good analogy, but it's also so gendered and it's just thing I've been like really working with and, and how I explain tarot or, um, how, how I explain the cards because, um, birth analogies are always so good, but it's like also a source of deep, like uncomfortability for me because it reminds me of, like parents or like motherhood of course and um yeah so it's I don't know not necessarily something I think I had like a perfect or um complete or final answer for um and I don't think I ever will and also probably Mm -hmm. not with like most tarot cards it's always a process of like learning and unlearning and like going deeper well I I I really I think what you just said is 
incredibly potent and 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 incredibly succinct and valuable and it does bring up a whole topic of conversation that i and you know too i want to just say this first is that the cards that were challenged by whatever term you want to use that we're working on um i don't think that there is ever a time when we're supposed to get it right like you just are in a relationship with them and you're in a relationship that relationship is ever evolving and i love it's a privilege to hear where you are right now in your relationship with the empress and um you know your your comment about birth um analogies like i think is so important as well as we kind of begin to consider the dismantling of the gendered interpretations of emperor empress because some birth givers are extremely sensitive about languaging like even like the word mother it's extremely triggering for Mm -hmm. some humans and folk who don't exist in that space Mm -hmm. even those who are physically giving birth don't are not are not comfortable so it's yet another gentle but very eye-opening um observation that just shows all of us living right now you know utilizing the tarot that you know there could be a really strong personal connection to goddess energy and divine feminine and to birth and to the vagina and like there's still a need to do better with the awareness of all the forms that a card like the empress can take because mm-hmm. it's not just that one. And it's a perfect mirror for how limited the conversation has been about gender and sexuality over the last, like, you know, thousands of years. <laughs> you know, like, it's a perfect mirror. So what you shared was brilliant. It was so powerful. Yeah. I sometimes get a little bitter about it, but um, yeah, of course. Should, but um, I don't know. Right now, I'm feeling like very excited for all of, especially the internet, all of the people that are starting to find platforms um, or places to speak on um, on gender and tarot or race and tarot, and and all of the intersections of marginalization and and the like. Um, interpretations that are considered the traditional or like the right or correct way of learning tarot um, and mm. and how it's shifting and almost going through this renaissance, um, I feel like. Um, totally. Yeah. And it just makes me really excited. I know it's such a it's such an exciting time to be alive and in the world of tarot. Because mm-hmm. there are all of these different voices and lens views that are finally getting the fucking opportunity and it's needs to be way more and will be hopefully but all of these people who are exploring the the interpretations of these cards through lens views that have never been given any kind of platform that have never Mm -hmm. not been there you know like and i'm so excited to see how over the next 50 years the 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 literature that comes out and the sharing and the the folk knowledge that gets passed down even through instagram it's a really exciting time yeah i love how you worded it folk knowledge 
Because, I mean, not everybody is here to buy a book, you know? Yeah, I love, I like, I love the concept of tradition being passed down and like tarot or like different forms of magic um, or, and the analogy of it similar to like folk medicine of like a a birthright or something that a tradition that is passed down, not something that we have to earn like a degree, um, but something that is just like an internal knowing um, that we share. And so, yeah, I just, I really love that analogy and I've never heard Mm. someone apply it to tarot as like folk folk tarot mm-hmm. and that's that's yeah. cool it just came right up and out so i'm glad it resonates i mean i feel like don't you agree that that's what we're witnessing now i mean i feel like i never i haven't heard anyone say that before but i i feel like i look at my feed and i it's filled with the deep rich teachings of so many people mm-hmm who are talking about it in ways that deserve to be lifted. (laughs) Like, because Mm -hmm. it's it's not something that's just been read out of a book. This is Mm -hmm. the people who are living it, which I have the most respect for, quite frankly, out of, I mean, I have respect for any utilization of tarot, but um, that's the only way I've ever known how to talk about it because it never really made any sense. And I'm, you know my lens view is one that is pretty, I mean, I'm, I'm cis, I'm white. Like it's, it's the, I'm far more interested, um, hearing the different like folk interpretations that are now being shared so generously on Instagram that are not for me to share, but for me to deeply take in. And it, it's, it's a very exciting time, I think, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like, or do you feel differently about it? Um, I had just like so many thoughts just like pop up in my head. So I'm like, Hmm, how do I explain this succinctly? Um, I really love it in the sense of, um, a lot of going like, and looping this back in with like femininity and, and gender and labor, a lot of ways that we are socialized right now in the Western world as like feminine people is, is built around competition. Mm -hmm. And so something that has been really, um, healing and liberating, especially with the intersections of, um, tradition and tarot and Instagram or the internet is being like, um, not feeling the competition and this competition not really existing of like needing to be a better tarot reader than someone else mm-hmm. or there only being one correct in- interpretation of it um, or being a real tarot reader or a certified tarot reader or mm-hmm. um, professional enough. Like um, it's, it's something that we're all sharing in such a non-competitive way. And I, I feel like in, and like cheering each other on and like yeah. respect each other's, um, journeys, like even just like the act of you having all of these, um, different people on to talk about tarot is just like showing, you know, this platform isn't something for like only one person, or you don't have to be like a certain, you know, the high priest, like I've heard a lot of people describe you as like the high priestess of tarot or like the Oprah of tarot. And I love it. Um, but I also love how you like instantly know, like, well, this isn't just like my platform. Um, or I am not the only person who is qualified to speak on tarot. There are so many people that are qualified to speak on this and, and have their own 
tradition or their own interpretation or their own lens to bring to it. And, mm -hmm. um, and then looping that back to Caliban and the witch and, and um, it talks a lot about um, the privatization, um, uh, like land privatization, but also how that connects to community um, and like, uh, like separating like women or separating feminine folk from like having their community. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we don't go um, grocery shopping together anymore or mm. something. We don't do like this, like gendered labor together. Mm. And now it's so much easier to control us or um, oppress us because we're not unified in solidarity. So I just like, yeah, that's, I feel like that's the word solidarity of like between tarot readers yeah. uh, rather than like competition. I hope that we're coming. I feel like, I feel like that's beginning to really change. I yeah. think like even a few years ago, it, I was unlearning that too. Like a few <laughs> years ago, like four years ago, like I thought everyone, I didn't want to, but I had to work so hard not to bring that in. Um, and I feel like no reason to lie about that. Like it's, it's so hard to unlearn it when mm -hmm. you've come, when you're coming to this, um, and it was important to me to unlearn it. Um, and now, um, it feels so different. So I think really, I, I feel like people really have like, like me been either, they've been way further ahead of me, or I think that they've been going through it as well. And I, I am holding a space that in the next decade, there's really a completely different dialogue for new readers to just feel like it's it like there's a seat at the table because there's always been a seat at the table because like what you have to share, no one else can share about mm -hmm. this tool. So out of respect, both for your soul path and the fact that like is like, you know, my teacher might, I don't, you know, my she's a, not a tarot teacher, but she's yeah. my, my mentor or whatever. Once she said something to me that I have never forgotten. And like, there are many things where she was like, I'm so glad that you're doing work in the world. Cause I'm tired. <laughs> like I want to play with my dog. <laughs> like I'm tired. Like I'm older. I'm tired. Like, and that's the other thing that the more people who are brightly, serving with their own unique gifts like the the more we're all fed I think yeah. you know it's like all of the things <laughs> come from yeah. what you describe so beautifully as the solidarity between readers that I believe in and is important yeah. to me yeah or even I guess like the solidarity between like healers yes um, yeah it was just like another thing I was thinking of um and it's reminding me a lot of, I'm not sure if you saw the Channing Nicholas tweet um, a couple weeks ago, or I think it was like either like late December or early January, um, where she tweeted the revolution will be healing. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, this just changed my entire year. Like, I don't even yes. know if I need to read a horoscope for another year. <laughs> I, really I got it. I'm all set. Um, I like, hello universe. I heard you loud and clear. Yes. Um, yeah, and if, like, if the revolution, like, 
we'll be healing or, you know, the collective liberation that we're all working towards. Um, cause I, I do intrinsically believe that no one, um, actually wants to be harmful and that we're all just, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes do harmful things out of a way to survive, um, mm-hmm. not because we're actively seeking to hurt people, but, um, if we're all working towards, you know, a better life for ourselves and other people, then that's not something we can all do individually or on our own. Um, and that's yeah. kind of, I also linking that to how I work with the nines and tens and tarot. Um, for me, the nines have always been com- fulfillment, but like, or completion on an individual level. And then we figure out, oh, hey, actually, I can't do this individually. I have to do it collectively. Like, I can't, like, you know, we think of the Ten of Wands, like, I can't carry this on my own. Uh, or the Nine of Wands of, and Ten of Wands of figuring out that I can't carry these wands on my own individually. I have to carry them collectively. Yes. Um, and Hell whether, yes. Yeah, whether it's healing or revolutionary work or whether both of those things are supposed to be separate or if they connect, like, neither of them can be done individually. Yes. Hell yeah, yeah brilliant. Um, wow. An hour has gone by and I feel like it's been 10 minutes, <laughs> quite yeah. literally, like this has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of wrap up, um, my final question to you is, you know, we mm-hmm. spoke about kind of the medis- medicinal challenges of the empress. And you mentioned that the cards that you're kind of working with right now in terms of your, evolution at this time where the sun and queen of wands reversed. And if you have anything to share about what your experience has been sort of in the virtual reality of the two of those cards, I think that would be so beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I guess I'll start with the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that card for me comes up a lot. Um, I know a lot of people see the sun as, or the traditional interpretation as, um, this like happy, joyous moment or like everything being illuminated and it being like a happy moment. And for me, whenever the sun comes up, I like, after two years of pulling it, whenever I'm having a manic episode, I instantly know whenever it, you know, like falls out of my deck or, um, just like comes up in my daily pull, like, okay, this is like, I'm manic, which, which is useful in a very practical sense, because oftentimes with, um, mania or hyper hypomania or bipolar, you don't know when you're manic yeah. and it's a while to kind of develop that, um, knowing your like warning signs or triggers, because oftentimes you don't figure out your manic until you're like, Oh my God, I'm Superman. I can walk in front of a bus and I won't die. Um, and have this like, mm-hmm. or something like crazy and, and, um, very like, yeah. So with, with the sun, um, my challenge that I've been working through right now is figuring out how to like root within the, um, exposure and like light, like figuring out how to root into the light and the sun, because it's, um, for a variety of reasons, whether it shows up when, you know, things are going really well and I don't feel like I deserve them because of trauma Mm. or, um, when I'm manic and, you know, feel like I'm floating away and, and like, so happy, it feels like I'm burning. Um, it's like, you know, laughing, but to the point of, 
or for such a long period of time that it starts to hurt and it's not fun anymore and you can't come down. Yeah. Um, so how do I root during that and, um, and ground myself instead of like floating away? Um, yeah. So not that I have an answer for that. Cause I don't know how I root. It's like an ongoing process of figuring out like, Oh, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Beautiful. So. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and you know, we, we also share that I've never felt joyful in my life upon pulling the sun. <laughs> so yeah. like not, I'm, it's just not, I find it more than anything to be this really beautiful, at least just for my practice, like just mm-hmm. this beautifully useful opportunity for me to know that like it only ever comes up for me when I'm doing something or I'm choosing to do something like getting a tattoo that my um but I used to be told like I'd get disowned if I got it and like they actually like meant it (laughs) so like Mm -hmm. just um it's about other things as well for me but knowing Mm -hmm. that I'm now the caretaker of myself and that I love tattoos and it's totally safe to get one. Like there's something about the reclamation in the sun that I um, think is so healing. And it feels like it's providing something of that with you normalizing and also honoring, like these are my ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah, and I can kind of connect to that too with um, the concept of reclamation because so often with manic episodes, you feel like you're not really in control anymore, mm-hmm. um, especially when learning to like, I mean, like not everyone who has manic episodes or has bipolar figures out how to stop them or know when they're hypomanic and not in a fully blown manic episode. Um, so not saying that you have to, but oftentimes people do want to, you know, start to figure out and become more self-aware. So for me, the reclamation of, you know, these are, I'm in control of my body and and not my brain chemistry. And, you know, my manic episode isn't in control right now. Like I'm in control. Um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And then what are you moving through in terms of queen of wands reverse right now? Um, she always shows up. Um, so I feel like, (laughs) okay. So on one hand, I feel like, um, there's been a lot of, um, of what we've talked about been a lot of like, yeah, this is what I believe. And I like really strongly believe it. And I mean, you can take it at face value. And if you know, like if you don't believe it, that's cool too. Um, but kind of like speaking as if I not like know it all, but, um, know things or have things that I want to share. Um, and the queen of wands has been kind of coming up a lot around that. Um, Mm -hmm. if we're working with the queen of wands as, um, you know, our not stereotypical isn't bad, but like archetype of or stereotype of, of a witch and someone who is magical. Um, she's only been showing up reversed for me, which is like, really frustrating, but also been giving me the opportunity to work through whether or not I feel like I am even magical or if I know anything about tarot or if I feel qualified enough or if I'm like 
secretly like the imposter syndrome of like, oh, I'm a fake tarot reader and everyone's going to find out and they're going to catch me and it's going to be all over Instagram and they're all going to know I'm a fake, um, which is like <laughs> literally a nightly argument I have in my head of like, oh, God, I'm doing this wrong. I'm not any good at this. I'm like, everyone's going to find out, <laughs> um, which, yeah, so. I don't know, which I think also correlates really well with how we were talking about um, the like non-competitive or like solidarity, mm. um, like nature um, of the communities that we're starting to see being built online. Um, and how just because I'm saying like, yeah, I really appreciate this and I really appreciate the solidarity, solidarity and lack of judgment um, or lack of needing to fit in within you know, right or wrong interpretations of tarot or someone being a professional or certified reader. Um, but that doesn't mean that I also don't struggle with that personally myself, just because I really want it. Um, and really value that doesn't mean that the queen of wands isn't showing up every night when I do my daily tarot poll. Yeah. Just, she's kind of is always a reminder for me like like I am fucking magic and it is something that I have to earn or learn or study books to figure out but it's like magic is my birthright and this knowledge is my birthright I I don't have to I don't know I we, we you've talked before about kind of linear versus spiralic um time and evolution and I'm kind of to echo or develop that I really apply that to um like moving from and tying that into how we talk about in the major arcana that transition from ego to soul or I like to call it the transition from the individual to the collective and how Mm. we can be of service um we're moving off of that escalator of needing to hit certain um checkpoints in life like graduating from university and getting a nine to five with benefits and, you know, getting mm-hmm. married and buying a house and getting a dog, like not that any of those things are wrong, but, um, when the queen of wands shows up, it reminds me that it's okay that I don't do those things or yes. that I never do those things <laughs> unless the universe has some other strange plans that I don't know about, but none of those things are really accessible to me right now. So I'm not, mm. I don't see them in the big picture, um, knocking on wood, but, um, yeah, just the, the reminder that I, I don't have to earn things that are like the American dream. I feel like really not that I'm American, I'm Canadian. Um, but we do have something similar, I think here of needing to earn things rather Mm -hmm. than being inherently worthy of them simply because we're human, you know? Um, so. Oh my God. And you know, you've just, hearing you speak so beautifully and so eloquently about just where you are on your, on your journey right now, it, it's such proof of, well, it doesn't require any kind of qualifier, but it's such a beautiful shining proof of where the queen of wands, like how that reversal shows up because it's everything that you're saying it is. It's, it's the mm-hmm. truth of the fact that we've been like brainwashed into forgetting or not believing that we're a part of or able to express and just embody that mm-hmm. innate magic and that it's been us all along. It's like the biggest joke that 
capitalism and patriarchy have ever and colonization, like all of it have ever done to us is that somehow we're not worthy of that and separate mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. And I, I so agree that when she, like you're such living proof of what it's like, what you're describing so eloquently and beautifully is literally kind of the only thing you can do when that card shows up reversed. Yeah. I feel is like just remembering the truth and also saying, I'm also just going to show up and do this work. And that alone is testament. Yeah. She also really ties into, um, for me, especially reverse. Um, well, um, she gave me this very powerful moment a couple weeks ago. Um, before we started recording, I had mentioned that I was raised brethren and then evangelical. Um, and so brethren being kind of similar to like Amish or Mennonite, um, And I had this really powerful moment uh, the other morning where I woke up and had this strange feeling in my body of being like, oh, I'm not going to hell. And I like (sighs) knew like for a very long time or like intellectually understood that hell might not be real, Mm -hmm. um, but didn't process it. And um, it was after that she had shown up a lot and kind of made me very uncomfortable because, you know, I'd like been practicing magic, kind of knowing like, well, I guess, you know, I'll just go to hell for this, but it'll be worth it. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Um, Fine. Like, I'll burn in hell. That's whatever. Um, But this is, you know, what I'm doing right now and what I care about. Um, but yeah, she, I like after pulling her and I actually, I don't think she's showed up since then. Um, but yeah, having that moment of like, Oh, whoa, I'm not actually going to hell. Like this is wow. my mind was blown. Um, yeah. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. on, and on that note, I think, I'm going to wrap it up because I don't know that we can go higher (laughs) than that. Like that's so powerful and it makes me deeply overjoyed for that. You, you're welcome because you're not going to hell. And if you are, I'll see you there because (laughs) wherever it is, we're definitely going to the same spot and that's the kind of company I'd like to keep (laughs) anywhere. Um, so tell people where they can find you, Tessa. Oh, oh, cool. I get to do my... You do. Greg. Cool. Wow. Yes. Um, cool. Okay. Well, my Instagram handle is at CityXWitch, um, mm. which is related to... I used to be really into hardcore and left the hardcore scene for a variety of reasons, but the X is kind of... That's what that's related to. Um, cool. Yeah. Oh. And then my website is um, www.thecitywitch.ca. Um, yeah. So. Amazing. Beautiful. And um, if people want to book a reading with you, are you accepting those online? Yeah. So I have an online booking forum. Um, I do tarot readings out of my house locally in Ottawa, as well as Skype readings. And then something that I've just started doing the past couple weeks for long distance readings is like written ones um, with photos and not just like uh written like card meetings um or card interpretations but um stuff like spells and plants and all other sorts of fun like magical things that can Mm -hmm. be infused with it 
Um, yeah. I remember when you told all of us, I, I feel like I can cut this out of the podcast, but when you <laughs> told us about that pouch that you made, oh my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was just, yeah. Do you want to share with everyone what that sure. is? Okay. Yeah, everyone just... prepare to have your heads blown out of your asses. Go ahead. Um, I'm a lazy witch, so I don't feel like <laughs> burning herbs every time I need to cleanse my tarot deck. And um, one of the traditional traditions that was passed down to me was sewing and embroidery um, or, you know, part of women's work. So I just started sewing myself tarot bags, but like put a lining in them with um, with like muslin of uh, different either like herbs or resins to match with the different tarot deck. And so because like not all of my decks wanted to be cleansed with sage or not all of my decks wanted to be cleansed with Palo Santo. So I was able to like add herbs and crystals and all sorts of things that felt specifically cleansing to that deck and then use that as the bag to keep my deck in. So it's like automatically cleansing every time I put it in the bag. Literally it should be on shark tank. It's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, the best idea I've ever heard. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. I can't wait to have you back on. Um, this was a dream. Thank well, you. Thank you. I'm very honored and like surprised, but now finally over the, the surprise of like, am I even worthy of being on this podcast? Um, yeah, it was really fun. Oh, I'm so glad you are the most worthy person to be on this podcast. So thank mm -hmm. you for honoring us with your presence and your wise words. And um, yeah, just thank you. <laughs> <laughs>